Good afternoon. My name is Aaron, and if you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Actually, this afternoon. This is Luke 8, 22 to 39 in the English Standard Version. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to a country of the uh, Gerasenes, some translations may say the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gasserines asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for you. We thank you that you are constantly revealing yourself to us through scripture. Uh, We pray that you reveal yourself to us in a bigger way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. My uh, Father's Day gift to all the fathers is to preach a little bit shorter today. Some of you are really happy about that one, I can tell, huh? This is a great message. Wow. What's this all about? You know, when you're reading through Scripture, you ask yourself the question, why did the author include this story in the Gospel? Why did Luke include this story when telling the story of Jesus? Uh, Did he tell the story so that we could learn how to kind of get through the storms of life? Is that what this is about? Or is this story about, uh, you know, he wants us to know that Jesus doesn't like pigs. That must be what it's about, right? Why why this story? Why is it here? What's the big idea? 
I think what Luke wants us to see here is that there are two kingdoms that are in conflict and that Jesus has all authority and everything will obey him. Okay, this passage is about the authority of Jesus. You know, um, every every part of it speaks to that authority. Nothing happens in this passage without Jesus telling it to happen or giving permission for it to happen. It begins with this this amazing storm and uh, they're they're going to die. And Jesus commands the storm to be still and it's still. And then he commands demons to come out and demons come out. Right. And then he commands the man on whom the demons had come out. He commands him to go to his people and proclaim what God has done. And in all three accounts, there's obedience. The storms obey. The demons obey. This man obeys. Right. And the question that I think we have to answer today, every single one of us, you know, not just dads, not just fathers, but what are you going to do with the authority of Jesus? What are you going to do about the authority of Jesus? How will you respond to his authority? Will you respond like the disciples? Will you respond like this man who is possessed? Or will you respond like the crowd? And so let's let's jump into it a little bit and, and just kind of examine how each of these three groups of people um, or persons respond to his authority. And we'll begin with the disciples. The disciples uh, have been traveling with Jesus and uh, now they're ready to go to the next place. And Jesus says to his disciples or the apostles, the twelve, he says, get into the boat. We're going to cross the lake and go over to the other side. Simple command. He's exercising his authority as the leader, as Messiah. Get into the boat. We're going to cross over, go to the other side. What do the disciples do? They get in the boat. They get in the boat, right? They are certain about the authority of Jesus. They are following, embracing the authority of Jesus. They get into the boat. Hey, we're going to go to the other side. Maybe they're even excited about Jesus and they're excited about his authority. They've heard the authority of his teachings. Now he's you know, ready for the next uh, place they're going to go. And they get into the boat. And it's kind of like when you get saved. You get into the boat with Jesus, right? We get into the cruise ship with Jesus, right? We're going to take this cruise with Jesus. And man, there's going to be food. Every... How many of you ever been on a cruise? Uh, I have not, but I've heard that you can eat 24-7. I think that's a little heaven on earth. I really do. Right. You can eat and it's great. You can sleep and you can you games to play. All this is the cruise boat. Right. And it's so comfortable. Jesus decides it's time to take a nap. So he grabs the oarsman's cushion and he lays down in the stern of the boat, as it says in Mark's account of this gospel, and he falls asleep. So this is great. Jesus Disciples were together. We're in this boat. We're on this cruise ship and we're heading over to the other side. Can't wait to see what happens next. Right. And then what happens? A storm. A storm comes on this lake now. And it's not just any ordinary storm. It is the perfect storm. How many of you remember the movie? The perfect storm. What is the perfect storm? The perfect storm is when two very different systems Come and meet in the same place. It's when low pressure and high pressure meet. It's when cold air and hot air meet. You have two different systems. They converge upon one another. And they create this perfect storm. 
And the Sea of Galilee was set up for perfect storms. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest, uh, is, is the lowest uh, body of fresh water on the planet. Uh, the Sea of Galilee in the land of Israel and Palestine, it's 600 feet below sea level. It's way down there. And what happens is, is the cold winds from the, the mountains of Lebanon and Mount Hermon, they come from the north. These cold winds blow down into the sea from the north. And these hot winds come from the desert in the south. And the winds from the Mediterranean Sea blow over the, the, the Judean hills. And they all converge on top of the Sea of Galilee. So you have these two different systems meeting there, creating this perfect storm. The Sea of Galilee is the perfect place for a perfect storm and Jesus leads them there. And they get there. And something, you know, kind of strange happens. The disciples were very certain about the authority of Jesus until the storm hit the lake. Now they're uncertain about his authority. Right? Man, we love Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He can do anything. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And then a storm breaks loose. And now they begin to question the authority of Jesus. And if you're reading Mark's account, Mark says this. He records Jesus or the disciples saying these words. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And they call out, Master, Master, save us. Right. And what does Jesus do? He calls to his disciples and he asks them a very important question. He goes, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Now, is that a dumb question? I think that's a pretty good question if you're about to die. You know, but Jesus, Jesus asked the question, why are you so afraid? Why would he ask that kind of question? Didn't he just tell them that we're going to cross over to the other side? Isn't that what he said? And now he's asking, why are you so afraid? I told you we're going to cross over. Where is your faith? See, they were so certain about Jesus. They were so certain about his authority until the storm hit. And I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what kind of perfect storm is going on. But man, maybe you remember the day when you were so certain about Jesus and you got on the boat with Jesus and we're going to go and we're going to we're going to do something, Jesus. And then this storm breaks loose on your life. And now you're beginning to question the authority of Jesus. Don't you care about me? You're sleeping while the storm's going on. Jesus doesn't even know I'm in the middle of a storm. And you're like, I thought he was all powerful. I thought he was all knowing. Now we're stuck in this storm. What's going on here? They begin to question his authority. Forgetting that he said, we will cross over. And here's my encouragement to you. You're going to get to the other side. <laughs> Just stay in the boat with Jesus. You're going to get there. <laughs> Come hell or high water, you're going to get there. Why? Because he said you're going to get there. And he's all powerful and he has the authority. And if he said it, I believe it. And that settles it. Amen. But what's interesting is the route that they took to get to the other side was unexpected. The disciples and Jesus, they were actually on their way to a little city called Bethsaida. And the storm blew them 13 miles southeast. And they ended up in this place called the, the Gadarenes. 
right? Sometimes storms will blow us to unintended places where we find ourselves in the perfect will of God. Storms will blow you to unintended places. You didn't intend to go to the Gadarenes. You intended to go to this small town called Bethsaida. Now we're blown off course. We end up over here, right? Storms will sometimes take you to unintended places that become the perfect will of God. If the storm hadn't blown them to the Gadarenes, this man would have never encountered Jesus. And this man would have never gone to his town, to his family and friends and told them about Jesus. Can I tell you that sometimes your perfect storm is a setup for someone else's miracle? And you don't see it coming. All you see is the storm. All you see is the pain. All you see is the conflict going on. But it's a setup for somebody else's miracle. You know, last week, Nicholas talked about uh, when he was preaching, he helped us understand how important it is for us to listen, to really listen. What is God saying in this passage? What is he saying? What does he mean by this? And if we listen carefully, we'll understand the secrets of the kingdom. And I think one of the secrets of the kingdom found in this passage is this. The storm is not about you. The storm is not about you. It's about advancing the kingdom of God in the earth. But when you're in the middle of the storm, you don't see anything advancing. You don't see yourself going anywhere. You're saying this is the end. And God says, no, no, no. We're just taking you off course for a little bit here. I got some kingdom business I want to do over here. The only way to get you over here to do kingdom business is to send you a storm to get you there. And you see, Jesus is all authority, right? Uh, he, he has all authority uh, over the storm, in the storm, all around the storm. He can direct that thing wherever he wants. And when you embrace the authority of Jesus, you will embrace the storms in your life. We want to run from storms. We want to rebuke storms. You know, when the, when the perfect storm happens in Nebraska, we call that a tornado. And the sirens go off. And what do we do? We grab our, way, our, our weather radios and we run down into the basement and we hide out in our tornado shelters and we wait for the storms to blow over. Jesus was one of the storm chasers. You know, he's one of those guys that got out and he's like, where's it coming? Where's it going? Where's it? You know, we need to have more of an attitude of being storm chasers than the, than the people who run from storms. You see, what is a perfect storm? It's when two very different systems meet in the same place. When Jesus came to this earth, he brought a very different system. The system of heaven and the system of earth met in the same place. Perfect storm. Two different very kingdoms meeting in the same place. Creates this perfect storm. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Things start spinning. You know, we pray prayers like this. We pray, we pray prayers. Jesus, we want you in this place. And then he comes and there's conflict. And we're like, no, no, Jesus, we, we didn't want the conflict. We just want you. 
We don't want a storm. We just want you. And Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide things. I came to bring storms. I came to bring conflicts. I came to bring kingdom. And when two kingdoms come together, they collide. And it causes this storm, this conflict. And let me tell you, when you embrace the authority of Jesus in your life, you're going to get storms. You're going to experience kingdom conflict. And that's what this passage is about. Is when Jesus shows up, there's always kingdom conflict. So when we pray, Jesus, show up, get ready. Friday night, we had the young adult conference here. And I was here Friday night. And man, there was some kingdom conflict going on. And during the altar time, this one young lady, she, she was like this, this demon-possessed guy in that this she ran at the altar she ran to the feet of jesus she fell at the feet of jesus what would you have to do with me jesus son of the most high god and she was delivered from some unclean spirits it was kind of like that man he was shouting out this guy was shouting out we didn't say shh, shh, shh. you know we said kingdom come <laughs> Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes that looks like chaos. Sometimes things get crazy. All right. We didn't rebuke her. We didn't pull her out. We, we just said, God, awesome. Do your thing. You know. Man, when you see darkness, when you see crime and you see sin and you see oppression and you see possession and you see control of spirit. Listen, don't run from it. Nicholas preached last week, man, don't hide your your lamp under a bush, set it out for all to see. We got to become storm chasers. Some of you are running from your storms, you're rebuking your storms. You need to realize that your storm is a setup for someone else's miracle and God wants you to be right in the middle of it. You're going to get to the other side. You're just taking a detour. Just chill out. It's okay. Does he have all authority? Yes or no? Then what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? We're going to get there, Jesus said. So don't be surprised when life gets stormy. When you embrace the authority of Jesus. He didn't invite you onto his cruise ship. He invited you onto his battleship. And when you enter the kingdom of God, you're you're joining you're joining forces. You're getting on a battleship, man. This isn't a cruise ship. Eat all you want. Sleep all you want. No, this is suit up. Put on the full armor of God for the day of evil has arrived. Kingdoms in conflict. So that's how the disciples respond to the authority of Jesus. First, they embrace it. They're like cruise ship. Woo. Then they enter the storm and they're like, I don't know about this authority of Jesus. They begin to question it. They begin to doubt it. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? How did the demoniac, the man who was controlled by spirits, how did he respond to the authority of Jesus? Uh, much better than the disciples did. He was actually certain about the authority of Jesus. The Bible says he ran to Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he cried out, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? (laughs) This man knew, these demons knew who Jesus was. He was all authority. 
son of the most high God. It's amazing how a man filled with unclean spirits can be certain about the authority of Jesus, even more so than people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. What a rebuke to the church. What a rebuke to us. Let's be more certain about the authority of Jesus. This man influenced by unclean spirits, he even knew about the authority of Jesus. What do we know about this man? We know this. He was under the influence. He was under the influence. How many of you know everyone is under the influence of something? Are you with me? So we're either under the influence of Christ or we're under the influence of Satan. We are under the influence. We are under the authority of someone you pick. This man had placed himself under the authority of Satan to the point where he had become uh, uh, controlled by the enemy. And when Jesus asked this man, he asked him, the man, what is your name? He didn't say uh, Zacchaeus or Simon or something like that. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Back then, we know that a legion of Roman soldiers was over 6,000 men. My name is Legion, for we are many. He was influenced by many, many, many. We don't know exactly the number of unclean spirits, right? He had given himself once, twice, over and over and over. And pretty soon it becomes this stronghold, massive stronghold in his life. And it's interesting what he says, my name is Legion. And was, was, were the demons talking at that point or was the man talking at that point? I, I don't know. But Jesus asked the man, he said, ask him, what's your name? He said, Legion. And what's interesting is this man's condition had become this man's identity. What is your name? I'm a recovering alcoholic. Is that your name? Has your condition become your identity? I'm a dropout. I'm a high school dropout. I'm a sex addict. I'm a felon. I'm an illegal. Right? We say things like this and we don't even realize what we've done is we've taken on the identity of our condition. We say things like, well, I'm divorced and now that becomes our new identity or I'm infertile or whatever it might be. And hear this. What is your name? Legion, for we are many. And this man, his condition became his identity. And you might be here today and, and you've been through some stuff. A legion of stuff. Many, many, many. And you've got a condition. And it's pretty bad. And I, I don't know, maybe it's multiple things that you've gone through and they have kind of shaped who you are today. And you've taken on a, a new identity because of, of your condition. And the good news is, is that when this man came to Jesus, he brought his condition, he brought his identity, and he was delivered from both. And Jesus delivered him from his condition of demon possession. He delivered him from this identity that he was so connected to. And the man was delivered in such a way that the Bible says that for the first time in his life, he was sitting. And he was sitting next to Jesus 
and he was clothed and he was in his right mind. That's the power of the gospel. This man could not be controlled. He could not be contained. People would chain him to control him. And he would break through those chains, right? Nobody could control him. Nobody could say, here, sit there. Nobody. But after he's delivered by Jesus, he's sitting next to Jesus like you are today, right? He's clothed. How many of you know the gospel still clothes us today? Naturally, right? We clothe the naked, right? Practical needs. Thank God the gospel's practical. Somebody got this man a set of clothes, but also he was clothed with 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 um, spiritual garments, spiritual clothing, if you will, to cover his shameful nakedness. And he was in his right mind, perhaps for the first time in his life. This is an incredible miracle. In fact, it was so incredible that the, the pig farmers went out and they brought everyone from the city and they said, you got to see what just happened. You got to see. It. And they said they saw this man sitting there clothed in his right mind. Whew. Wow. Amazing. Do you remember the day that the first time you were able to sit with Jesus, right? Do you remember that day? Do you remember how special it was and real it was? And it was like, this is unbelievable, right? I'm going to follow this guy. And so here's what he does. This demonized guy says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'll go wherever you're going to go. Let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not going with me. You're not going to follow me around. You're not going to get in the boat. I want you to go. (laughs) I want you to go back to your father. It's Father's Day. And I want you to tell your father how much I have done for you. Go back to your family. Go back to your village. Go back to your region and tell everything that I have done for you. You know, I think this is where we're at as a church today. We're at this place where we've been... We have um, we're, we've been sitting at Jesus's feet. We're clothed. We're in our right mind. We're healthy. We're restored. God's done some amazing things in so many of us. And we just want to be with Jesus. I just want to sit at his feet and just soak it in and soak it in. And I love the presence of God and I love worship and I love prayer and I love the word. And I just want to be with Jesus because this is so much better than what I had before. Are you with me? And Jesus says, I'm glad you're in your right mind. Now get out of here. Now go. Next week, you need to come to good news. Because next week, I'm going to share a really exciting update about our vision for multiplication. (laughs) Our vision for going. We've got some, we've made some pretty big decisions. And we're going to share those with you next week. We believe God's leading us, opening some doors. And so next week, we're going to share that come next week. So this man is sent off. Get out of here. Proclaim what God has done for you. And that's what he does. How did this man respond to the authority of Jesus? He was certain about it and then he obeyed it. He obeyed it. And when Jesus told him to go, he went. How many of you know Jesus went with him? Come on. When you leave here today, you're taking him with you. Right? You don't have to, you don't have to just sit there, you know, in front of the worship and the prayer. And the, no, no, it's not how it works. You take him with you. Yeah, I get it. I get there's times to soak, but we go out there, man, you know, you know, and we give it away. We give, we give it away. We give it away. We come back, get filled up again. We give it away. Come back, fill up, give it away. That's how it works. Somebody say, amen. I told you I was going to preach short. Uh, Not as short as I thought. I'm almost there. 
One last thing. Okay, how did the crowd respond to the authority of Jesus? What did they do? Yeah, they said they, they were afraid of the authority of Jesus. They were afraid of it. They weren't. They were afraid of it. They said, Jesus, go, leave, go, get away. We don't want you here. It's in some ways, it's one of the saddest verses in scripture, you know, where somebody encountered Jesus and then they said, we don't want any more of this. We don't want you, Jesus, leave our region. Why? Why did they ask him to leave? Perhaps because his kingdom business was messing with their business. What was a good day for the demon-possessed man became a bad day for the pig farmer, as I said a few weeks ago. And so they begged him to leave. They were afraid that he was going to mess with their business too. If he's going to mess with the pig farmers and if he's going to destroy their business, he may mess with our business as well. And so they asked him to leave, right? Anything wrong with being a pig farmer? No, unless you're in a Jewish territory. That's a problem. And these pig farmers, they were in Jewish territory and they were doing something unclean according to the law of that day, right? Can I tell you this? If you have any unclean business going on in your life, don't be surprised if it falls off a cliff. Jesus will not embrace, he will not endorse your unclean business. He's going to embrace, endorse his kingdom business. And if any unclean business gets in the way of God's business, it's going to fall off a cliff, right? And so it's good for us to search our hearts and say, man, God, have I allowed any unclean thing in my life? Is there an attitude? Is there some bitterness? Is there some um, sexual impurity going on in my life? Is there something unclean going on in my business practice? Am I cooking the books? Is there something unethical in my dealings? Listen, it's a good time to say, you know what, Jesus, you're all authority. I submit that unclean thing to you. Uh, Forgive me. Let's get rid of this unclean thing. What's interesting here is the uh, the crowd they they're afraid of the authority of Jesus and so they dismiss Jesus they kind of dismiss his authority and I think what we can see here is is you can dismiss the authority of Jesus but you can't dismiss the consequences of dismissing the authority of Jesus so you can say Jesus we don't want your authority in this place or I don't want your authority in my life don't mess with my business Right, But that's not going to remove you from the consequences. And the consequences of dismissing the authority of God in your life is he will leave. Can you live without God? If that's your attitude, Jesus says, I'm not going to force myself into your life. God is all authority and in his authority and in his sovereignty, he chooses to give you the choice to choose him. The king will not force his authority into your life. The man who was possessed with demons, he ran to Jesus because he wanted to be delivered from this thing that controlled him. He wanted to be delivered from that thing. He wanted to come under a new authority. But the crowd, they said, we don't like this authority. We don't want you messing with our business. And Jesus left he left i can't live without god (laughs) 
In fact, I would say this. I want to invite Jesus to mess with my business. If it's unclean, please, Jesus, mess with it. I don't want to. I want to be part of your kingdom business. So God, if my business is unclean in some way, let it fall off a cliff. If that will advance your kingdom, so be it. That's embracing the authority of God in your life. And so as we close, uh, I want to say this. I think that God wants a perfect storm to begin right here. Two kingdoms, two very different kingdoms meeting in the same place. Darkness and light meeting in the same place. Perfect storm. What do I mean by that? For you, for some of you today, you've been operating on your own authority or you've been operating under the enemy's authority and today you're going to come under the authority of Jesus. Some of you have some unclean things in your life you're going to bring under the authority of Jesus. That's a conflict. The enemy's not going to sit back and go, yeah, yeah, I knew it was going to happen, whatever. That's a conflict. Let me tell you, there's a conflict going on right here, right now in your very own heart. There's a war going on and it's a war over the kingdom. And I want to say to you this, embrace the authority of Jesus in this moment of conflict. Embrace his authority. Fathers, embrace his authority today. We're going to sing a simple chorus. We're going to say, Jesus, you are Lord. (laughs) You're Lord. I want everybody to stand this morning. And here's what I want to do. I want to talk to fathers first. Okay, fathers first. It's Father's Day. You may be born again. You may be spirit-filled. You may be a pastor. You may be a deacon. You may be the first time you've ever walked through the doors of the church. I don't care. But you're here to say today, Jesus, you're all authority. And you just want to make that public statement once again. Again, I don't care who you are, but you're at a place where you just want to make a public declaration before God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said about his family. As for me and my house, if that's you, fathers, dads, I want you to come to the front. We're going to pray together. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to embrace the authority of Jesus. Some of you are here today. Come on, dads, you can come on down. Some of you are here today and you are, um, there is a, there is a un, something unclean going on in your life. You know, there's something not right. There's a spiritual war going on and you want to bring that under the authority of Jesus. I want you to come. Some of you today, you're afraid of the storm. You're afraid of the storm and you want to embrace the authority of Jesus in the midst of your storm. He may rebuke your storm or he may just say peace. How many of you know you can have peace in the storm even if you don't have peace from the storm? He told the disciples, he, 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 when, he, when, he, when he commanded the wind and the waves, he said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. If you're going to bring your fears under the authority of Jesus, what are you afraid of? That's what Jesus asked. What are you afraid of? I said, we're going to the other side. I'm all authority. Get in the boat. We're doing it. Bring your fears under the authority of Jesus. What are you afraid of? I don't know what you're afraid of. That's not the will of God. That's not the authority of God. We're going to bring our fears under his under his authority today. God, thank you for this opportunity. We just declare right now that this is this place is kingdom of God place. God, we understand, Lord, that that there could be some conflicts going on right now, some spiritual war going on right now. 
And God, I thank you that you are here and that you are all powerful and you are all authority. And and we just take authority in Jesus' name and we rebuke every unclean thing that we've allowed into our lives that's in this place. And God, we say we bring that unclean thing under your authority in Jesus' name. We don't want it anymore, God. We bring it under your authority. God, we can't control it ourselves. We can't chain it up like this man. We, we, no man can control the unclean thing. So we bring it under your authority. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would send every unclean spirit out of this place, out of our lives. We say go in Jesus' name. We say go according to the authority of Jesus. In Jesus' name. As fathers today, we surrender to your authority. And we say as dads, as fathers, we say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. I will embrace his authority. As for my house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. God, we bring all of our fears to you. And we say, God, you are greater than all of our fears. God, help us to embrace the storms, not run from them. God, help us to see that in the midst of a storm, God, you're advancing your kingdom. God, you're taking us on a detour, but it's only to advance your kingdom. God, help us to embrace that today in Jesus' name. Amen.
so glad that Jesus is all authority. I think he's all authority. And that when there's a kingdom conflict, there's nothing to be afraid of because he, he is all authority. We embrace him today as Lord. I want to encourage you, if you'd like further prayer, our prayer teams will be available to pray with you. Uh, thank you for coming on Father's Day instead of going out fishing. Uh, it's uh, Or whatever. It's too hot outside anyway. And uh, God bless you. We'll see you this week in our small groups, our prayer meetings. And then next Sunday, of course, we're uh, going to give an update on our, um, our vision for multiplication. We'd love to see you come back next week. God bless you and happy Father's Day.